If you have your Bibles, would you turn me to 1 Samuel chapter 16? I want to just talk for a very, I say a very short time. I've said that before and then it not be, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So I went to Peru last year in October and I got Giardia, but I didn't know that for some months, but apparently I got Salmonella at the same time. So I had been taking Cipro, which is a very strong antibiotic. A lot of people get rid of salmonella just normally. You know, apparently you just fight through it. But when you know I got a strand that not only did not go normally, but the Cipro, which normally would kill something like that, didn't kill it because it just, uh, there's, you know, some small percentage of salmonella that needs something else. So I have hardly felt so tired as I have since I've been taking the antibiotic. I'm not, the salmonella I've had for all these months and it's messed up my digestion, et cetera. But in terms of feeling, I've, it, it hasn't bothered I me. Mean, my energy levels have been going lower and lower. I didn't realize exactly what was happening. But it's since taking the antibiotic that it's been uh, where uh, one day I, I went, uh, I didn't hardly leave the house for 10 days. And then on the one day I left the house, I went to Publix for a snack and then came home and slept for 12 hours. <laughs> That's what it tells you. Yeah, normally a snack will cheer me right up just in general. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> so then I got a little virus. Cut, so I've had two things going on. I gave Susie the virus. Uh, so anyway, at least I got some sympathy after she got it. She's like, oh my goodness, this is bad. So anyway, she's recovering. I'm recovering. And so pardon me uh, for that uh, tonight. But the one thing, um, you know, the Lord heals and sometimes he heals so quickly. And sometimes he gives us a season like I've been trying to take in these last days uh, just to pray and be with the Lord. And so I've tried not to listen to the radio or get distracted. And luckily, I uh, haven't even, you know, some of my attention span, haven't even been able to, you know, watch a TV movie. I like old war movies and things, and but uh, my attention span hasn't been there. So anyway, but one of the things the Lord really spoke to me, and sometimes when the Lord speaks to you, uh, you know he's speaking to you, but you don't know exactly how to do what he's telling you to do. But I want to share this word because then after the Lord spoke this to me, I had a number of people call me who call me once every several months, and the word was for them too. And so tonight, maybe the word is for you, even as the word has been for me. And I'm still processing and praying about how to apply the word and how to make the shift that I need to make. So this story comes in 1 Samuel chapter 16, after Saul was rejected by God. Um, if you remember, the Bible had promised uh, back in Exodus that one day there would be a king. Uh, but God himself was being the king, and the people wanted to be like everybody else. And so part of the worldliness of the children of Israel is they wanted a king at a specific time, not uh, because of what God had promised, but rather because all of the other people did. It's kind of like when I was a kid. Some of you don't remember, but when I was a kid, Stan Smiths, they're coming back now. But they were white tennis shoes with green stripes, uh, Adidas. When I was a kid, I mean, if you could afford the 30 bucks for a Stan Smith, I mean, this is the 70s, but it was like $200 today. You know, my mother's like, no, you can wear Keds for $750 or something, you know, whatever. But, but uh, you know, if you were really good, it was your birthday, you might get a pair of Stan Smiths, and then you would be cool like everybody else, uh, at least the people that you thought, you know, were so great off or whatever. Um, so the heart motivation of Saul was the people begged for a king uh, because they wanted to be like everybody else. And God said, okay, and, uh, and, and then they, they wanted a specific kind of king. They wanted a king who was handsome and tall and all these wonderful things. They didn't want a, uh, you know, someone like them. They wanted someone who was uh, especially 
wonderful. But Saul was a timid man, uh, and he was not a man with all of his talents that was very self-assured. And so he had a lot of issues, even though he was literally head and shoulders above everybody else. So that in a crowd, he was clearly the biggest, strongest uh, sort of guy. But uh, God was with him, and God anointed him, and God was on him. The, one of the saddest things in Scripture just before this passage in 1 Samuel 16 is the Bible says the Spirit of God left him, and he didn't even know it. Uh, I mean, it would be bad. I mean, can you imagine that you've been walking so long in the fumes of the anointing of God that you don't realize that the Spirit of God has actually left you? I, I believe that kind of happens today with some people with various gifts and ministries is that we can get off the track and we can still be living off the fumes of yesterday's anointing or something in the past, and then at some point uh, there's a shift and, and the Lord, uh, not necessarily that people are going to hell, but but the Lord has left them after repeated disobedience, uh, and because he loves them, there's a, a, a significant discipline. In Saul's life, it appears much worse uh, than that. And particularly, the last straw was that God had told him to kill the Amalekites. Now, you have to wonder, why would God tell somebody to kill a whole group of people, all their animals, children, women, everybody? And I think the best answer that we know, we can't really figure out why, uh, God said that, was, uh, but what I can tell you is there were some people that God said just destroy them and, and move on. Other people, he said, you have to absolutely decimate. Uh, I have a friend who was a pretty substantial Old Testament scholar, and he suggested me an answer one time, and I kind of have stuck with this particular answer. And what he said to me is, he said, Ron, in my study of the Old Testament, some of these people were so demonized and had given themselves so fully to demons uh, that their generation, they were so corrupt, and their desire of the devil, of those demons, was to destroy the Jews so they could destroy the Messiah uh, and get a hold of him. And so the groups that had given themselves over to human sacrifice and had given themselves over so willfully uh, to the devil, those groups had to be utterly destroyed, and even the demons had uh, uh, been uh, contaminated, whether through bestiality or however it happened, even their animals and their stuff had, had been so... Uh, opened up to the demonic, that the only thing for those groups that could happen was complete destruction. And, uh, and so God told, however the reason is, God told uh, that uh, Saul that he had to kill all the Malachites, but he saved the king and a bunch of money and sheep and all the, the fancy things he said. And, and then when he got caught and Saul went, uh, Samuel went to him, Saul says, uh, oh, well, I was taking all these things and I was going to sacrifice them to God. And then the famous statement says, uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. And uh, it wasn't really to sacrifice, by the way. He did it out of his own greed and the wickedness of his heart. And it was such a sin against God and his direct commandment after a series and lifestyle of disobedience that the Lord turned his back on Saul and was no longer with him. Uh, what a heartbreak and what a hard, terrible thing. Now Samuel as we look at in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, Samuel had a really hard time with this, not because he didn't know how bad Saul was, but he knew what might have been. And, uh, and so tonight, this is what the word is tonight. Here we go. Uh, chapter 16, 1 Samuel, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. Wash your face, what he's saying. Quit, dry up your tears. Uh, it's time to move on. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. 
for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So it's really hard. Sometimes we've invested in people and relationships and situations in life, uh, and life and, and, and to move on, even when it seems we can see the bad or the, the terribleness of a situation, we're still grieving what might have been. Uh, and, and it's hard. There's, I've had things uh, open up in India, different places, and you think, what, what could have happened or what happened, and then it seems like the rug gets pulled out from under you, and these good things are going, and then it seems like somehow they get sidetracked. And it's hard, uh, and for Saul, it was very hard uh, not to be grieving, and he couldn't seem to get over the loss of Saul and the calling and the destiny. Saul was there and the one that anointed him. He was the one in which the Holy Spirit came in and through to, to, to come into Saul for the purpose of being a king. Uh, my wife is raising her hand, so I have to take a question. If you raise your hand, I may not. Yes, dear. Sorry, Samuel was mourning. There, for the tape, that's good. Samuel was mourning what might have been. Uh, Saul, I mean, he just, he, he didn't, you know, when you're, when you're that far off, you don't really understand. I mean, Saul knew, and he was very greedy, of course, when, when he finally figured it all out, he died on the day in which it was all said. But in any case, in this case, Samuel's grieving what might have been. I wonder how you might be grieving what might have been. Sometimes we're, we're angry with ourselves, and we're thinking, I, I messed it up. Some affair, or some situation, or this, or early abortion or some guy and, and people believe sometimes all their lives that they've missed God's best for their life and so they can't move on and stop mourning from things that God has rejected but God is moving on remember God's best is wherever God is and whenever we return to God there's always the capacity for new best that doesn't mean some real terrible things don't happen and some relationships and situations can't go back and be undone in many cases but God's best is wherever God is. And when we return to God, uh, we, there's all kinds of possibilities. Uh, and we're never in a situation where we say, oh, it's, uh, all that's been over, it's a dead end, nothing good can come now. I blew it, I messed it up, etc. And God's speaking to you, even as he's been speaking to me, he's like, it's time to quit mourning about what might have been. I rejected that, it's dealt with, it's over, and now I've moved on. And because I've moved on, you must move on. And to not move on when God moves on, is to put you out of obedience to him and it's just going to mess you up. And so then comes great ungodly sorrow and other issues in your life and uh, it will keep you from what's next. I mean, Samuel is never going to be able to pick the right son out of Jesse's house if he hasn't dealt with and come to closure with his grief uh, of what might have been with Saul. It's crucial that Saul, Samuel gets up as God directs and washes his face and moves on. And if there isn't closure from what didn't happen and what might have been, he will not be able to discern because when he goes to Jesse's house, who is the obvious choice? The oldest son who is head and shoulders above everybody else and he's a great warrior and he's handsome and he's sharp and he's the one that everybody would have thought would have been the one. And if Samuel hadn't dealt with his grief about Saul, he would not have been able to discern God's voice properly to say, no, that's not the one. The one ends up being the one that Jesse wasn't even sure was his son. David, the one who was small and not the one that everyone thought. But he was the one who God had appointed himself for a king. The people wanted somebody who was head and shoulders above everybody else. God said, I want somebody whose heart is for me, and I will be with them, and I'll anoint them, and I'll use them. Now, there is seasons and transitions, and if we don't deal with and ask the Lord, I don't know, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm not even sure what I'm, I feel like I've grieved these things uh, that he's bringing up to me. I feel like I've dealt with them. But guess what? If God brings it up to you again, Either God made a mistake or I have more grieving to do. Which one do you think it might be? 
I mean, I've been with people say, okay, let's ask God, is there anyone you need to forgive? And they'll say, oh, well, my dad came to mind, but, but I've already dealt with that. If we're asking God in Jesus' name what we need to deal with, and he brings it up, guess what? You may have dealt with a lot. We're not taken away with the fact that we may have dealt with, and I may have dealt with a lot of grief for a lot of might-have-beens in my life. But I can tell you, when God brought it up to me, it was very clear, and the Spirit was on me so powerfully in this, reading this text. I mean, the text for my day and my devotions from the lectionary was like verse 1 to verse 17. I could hardly get off of verse 1. And the Holy Spirit met me there, and it's like, you got, you won't, you've got to wash your face and move on. And I feel like, well, I'm not even crying any tears. I thought the Lord was like, well, maybe you need to finish your tears and really deal with it, because if you don't deal with your season of Saul, you cannot embrace the season of David. And there's a David, unexpected, incredible, God-glorifying season coming in your life, but you must be done with the Saul season if you're going to walk in the David season. But there's a lot of grief of how it might have been. There's a haunting uh, old rock song. Some of you know, I hope you don't know, actually, a rock and roll song, but uh, it's sort of a ballad or whatever, and it's, uh, it's about a couple that was, I don't know if they're going to have an affair or whatever, but they've, they moved on, you know. What might have been? Anyway, there's, I can't really, I don't know the words to it. I didn't really want to Google it and give you all the lyrics because I don't know exactly what the song's about probably, but, but there's this haunting thing about what might have been. And, and, and there is some haunting part of this. And so all I can do is, in these weeks of being sick, I've just been keep okay, Lord, I keep bringing back to mind these things, situations that I've thought, I just had to keep recycling them back into God's presence and asking him to help me bring the closure because he's telling me i got to wash my face and move on. Uh, again, sometimes we're in such denial or we're just not, I, I feel like, okay, the Lord, you're, clear, you're clearly speaking to me and there's clearly some things I need to do, but I'm not even sure how. I, I just, but as he brings these things to mind, I keep bringing them back to him into his presence and asking him to do whatever it is that needs to be done that I can wash my face and move on from the Saul season. A lot of things. I was at a church one time up in D.C. It was a, a Pentecostal church. The Holy Spirit fell so powerfully at a 9 o'clock service or something uh, that an hour and a half later they couldn't start the next season, uh, the next service, because so many people were up at the altar dealing with stuff. Uh, uh, the second, they, they had it actually, they actually, I'm not sure this was wise, but these are these, this is how people do it, you know. A lot of times you think you have all these services, you don't have time for the Holy Spirit to move. You know, maybe you need to change the way you do services if there's no time for the Holy Spirit to move. If you're scheduling for God not to move, maybe there's something wrong with the way we're scheduling. But in any case, they literally dragged me away with the, uh, respectfully, but dragged me away because they had to start the second service. Now I say, had to start the second service. The Holy Spirit was still moving powerfully with a bunch of people, and there was hundreds of people that he had already dealt with. So we go out, the second service begins, and the same thing happens at the second service. In fact, uh, there was healing. Uh, the head pastor, uh, who was older, I'm guessing in his uh, late 60s, early 70s, he had a daughter that was probably my age or a little bit older. She was sitting there. A woman in a wheelchair came up out of the wheelchair. God healed him. I mean, it was a powerful... I mean, right beside, it wasn't like you had to wonder what happened. I mean, it was someone known to them on the front row in a kind of church where you had to be important to be on the front row kind of thing. And I mean, it was incredible. And I said to myself, man, we're going to be back here. They were connected with a Bible college, and I thought, man, we are going to be back here, and we're going to see revival. I mean, the Holy Spirit. 
friend of mine went to the church, was one of the leaders of the church. He said, Ron, you'll never be back here. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, oh, there's no way. He said, nope. He said, they're more embarrassed that all these people had these issues than they are glad that the Holy Spirit was moving. They will never ask you back. That's like, what, 18 years ago? That's the sadness to think, to see the Lord move. To see what was possible. There's a lot of those kind of things. And there's a lot of those kind of days in our our relationships and our family. There's some real heartbreaks. Some, again, we brought on ourselves in some way and God's forgiven us. Some of these things are, were not of our doing. I've got some what might have been things that, uh, you know, I, I certainly have never been perfect and lots, I mean, never, obviously, in any case, been perfect. But it's interesting, some of my might have beens that didn't happen, the people who complained, they complained about things that were actually the right thing and the good thing. It's like God protected me. There was plenty of things. You know, some of you know, we had four church splits in the first 12 years of this church. We're now in like year 20 or 21 or something. But, but imagine all the things that people could have said. There's, I mean, any pastor, there's always plenty of things. No matter how good they are, there's plenty of things that are not good. And I had more things that I didn't know, you know, wasn't good at than most. I mean, it would be easy if they had asked me, give me a list of all your weaknesses. I could have told them all my weaknesses and I wouldn't have denied them. But you know what they complained about? that we were bringing people to the Lord, that when we were praying for healing, it was taking too long. I mean, the things that they compl- I mean, they could have said, Ron, you're overweight, you're not taking care of yourself, uh, you're not nice like you need to be, you need to be a better dad. I mean, there's lots of things they could have said. They never said any of those things. They, the, the problem was the church was growing and they were afraid of losing control. I don't know what your might have beens are. It doesn't matter. Uh, if we are zero to 100% responsible. The Lord has rejected that season. He's dealt with it. It's rejected in the sense that it's time to move on. And he wants you to wash your face uh, and to get up and to go on. And having dealt with and asked him to deal with the grief and whatever you got to deal with from the past, uh, we can't just bear over. There's some things, you know, don't dig up old bones. Now, if the bones are choking, you deal with them. You know, I, I hear people used to say when we start doing inner healing, Oh, I don't want to dig up old bones. I'm thinking, I don't want to dig up any old bones either. We didn't get into inner healing and deliverance to dig up old bones. It's just that in our lives, we were choking with some bones. We only dealt with the bones we were choking on. So if you're choking on the past, deal with it. It's time. You can't, part of washing your face, filling up your horn, your horn with, with oil, is, is to deal with it and let it come to an end. We're not in perpetual season of that. We're dealing with it. We're letting God deal with it. We're getting rid of things that are impeding We're asking for his spirit to come, and then we're getting up and moving because God is giving us vision into what's next, and it's time to move into Jesse's house. But remember, Jesse's house doesn't always value what God values. So so Samuel's moving into Jesse's house season, and it's a season of unprecedented blessing. But the very people who have that in their house, i.e. David, don't value David. And if you're not dealt with the past, you won't be able to see and understand what's in David's house. Excuse me, Jesse's house. Jesse did not value. The very thing that was the best thing about Jesse, he did not value. And you have to come to healing and cleansing and deal with things and let them be finished or you can't move on. Uh, And move on properly. Now you can move on, but the reason we keep repeating the same things is we never 
Let the Lord deal whatever it is. Let him deal with it profoundly. Let him deal with it. Samuel cried his tears. The Lord didn't rush him. But there was a time which Samuel was willing to stay in the grief when God said, okay, you have grieved. Now wash your face. It's time to move on. All right? So, so that's the word. Maybe there's something for you. Maybe it's for someone who's going to watch this. You know, we have some dear friends all over the states and other places that watch these things. Maybe it's for somebody else. This is a very small group tonight, so, but maybe none of you are stuck in grief. Uh, but, but if you would be, it's time to wash your face. So Lord, help me to come to close you. Bring what, if there's a, more inner, whatever is necessary, let me get it closed so I can move on and walk in discernment so that I can receive David out of Jesse's house. That's the season that we're in. The only other thing I want to say is I was praying uh, yesterday and today, uh, and you know, this last Sunday, some of you are, you know, go to church here, some of you don't, which is fine if you don't, but, but you know, we just celebrated, had a blessing on the property uh, last Sunday. And uh, I saw this most beautiful thing. I was uh, praying today, and uh, I, it may have been yesterday too. Again, my days are sort of blurred. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, what I saw on the front of the house, house of healing, house of healing, uh, as if it were painted. I'm not saying that we're going to paint on the house, but, but, but it was as if it was painted. Because we really need it for Sunday school space, I'll be honest with you. We really, and that's very important. I'm sure that we need it for children. And, and I've seen in the past, uh, you know, sort of the idea of children being raised up and all that. But, uh, and I certainly knew, I, I've told people, you know, we'll use it for prayer rooms the other 90% of the time that we don't have Sunday school in there or whatever, 99% of the time. But uh, it was the first time in my prayer that I saw on the house, house of healing. And uh, what an exciting thing uh, in terms of the prayer appointments and things that will go on there, even as we've used this building and property so well, to think that God has expanded our borders. Uh, and it's a time to ask the Lord and to bring in, uh, as we uh, are working in this season here, to bring the people that he wants to heal and to increase the anointing.